Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Prison Officers Association, the UK's largest professional union for prison, correctional and secure psychiatric workers with over 30,000 members. In this episode, we discuss the help that is available from the union's legal partners, Thompson's, when it comes to employment law issues affecting POA members at work, from unfair dismissal to discrimination and a wide variety of other terms and conditions. Emma Game from Thompson's, who leads on this aspect of their work, talks us through the nuts and bolts of what makes for a successful case and the case management process. We began by looking at the types of employment law claims that are most prevalent amongst the POA's members. So Emma, what are the sorts of employment law issues that you and your team help PO members with typically? So we have a full range of employment matters that come through to us from unfair dismissal claims, which can range from a prison officer or other POA member that works in a private organisation who has been dismissed either on the grounds, for example, of conduct or capability. So the the employer may feel that they are not carrying out their work adequately um, and capability issues arise or perhaps they've been absent from work so capability issues arise in in, in those circumstances and we would look at whether an unfair dismissal claim would arise following any termination of employment we get discrimination claims also coming through unfair dismissal and discrimination seem to be quite the big claims that we are asked to advise on And in discrimination claims, it's quite typically disability discrimination claims, actually, that we are seeing quite a lot of of requests for advice coming through on that. And where we find the disability discrimination claim queries seem to be stemming from prison officers who have been absent from work due to ill health example so they have suffered ill health either health issues that have arisen as a result of something within the workplace or underlying health issues that they've had for however many years and it is starting to affect their ability to work either full-time or to carry out work in a particular way or maybe prison officers who have to undertake restraint work for example and so what we are seeing is a request for advice brought for those members if they have then had their employment terminated or um, they are going through disciplinary proceedings, or their employer has subjected them to a disadvantage of some sort. And the key question then is whether there is a disability claim. So unfair dismissal and disability are are pretty common. Others though also arise, we have wages claims where uh, members are not getting their full pay, either for overtime that they may have carried out, or if they're entitled to markup payments for some reason, holiday pay not having been paid to them correctly, or in fact calculated properly. So wages are quite a a key one for us that we advise on. And flexible working requests that have been denied come through. So we also have other discrimination claims that stem from that, such as sex discrimination, where we will be advising whether the working practices are perhaps placing employees at a disadvantage somehow. Maybe they've got childcare responsibilities or other caring responsibilities. And the question then becomes whether there will be any discrimination claims that we can bring for them. So in terms of employment law issues, I mean, it really is so varied. As I said, discrimination, dismissal, wages, breach of contract matters. Again, can be wages or holiday pay, but but might be other forms of um, contractual issues that have arisen in the workplace. So it occurs to me that actually there may be uh, POA members and others listening to this who, who aren't aware that some of those things are actionable, that you can actually seek a legal redress to, to certain of the things that, that cross your desk. So how do, how, do, how do members access 
the services that you and your colleagues provide? How do cases end up on your desk? What's the what's the pathway or referral mechanism? Yeah, so for employment law cases, there's quite a specific route, actually, that needs to be followed by a POA member. And that starts off at a local level, getting assistance from their branch and thereafter completing a relevant form that can be found on the POA website under the legal services section, which is the LA100. That form should be completed in as much detail as possible. It includes, you know, administration details such as name, address, place of work, etc. But also it gives them um, a section where they can explain what has happened to them in the workplace and the advice that they are seeking and the remedy that they're, that they're looking for. And that then goes to the union's legal department. So the information that has been put on that LA100 helps the union's legal department to then determine whereabouts in Thompson's this query should go to. So Thompson's have got offices across the country. We've got a national employment team. So it's not just in our London office where I work, got Newcastle, Manchester, Bristol. And nature of the complaint will be looked at by that solicitor that then receives it. But we first need to establish, well, where should it go? And, and, and that's helped by the LA100 having been completed. Once the POA's legal team send it then to Thompson's with the LA100 and all relevant documents, we as a department allocate that work to the solicitor who generally tends to do POA work in the team. And we then take it from there in terms of merits assessing. What is important, and I refer to the case starting at a branch level though, is in employment cases, it's so important that union reps are involved with employment law queries at a really early stage. So as well as the member completing the LA100 to get the legal side of things going, Employment tribunal claims, when it gets to a hearing, the employment tribunal judge will also look at what has happened internally. So for some claims, you have to have raised a grievance, for example. You have to have gone through the disciplinary process because that can actually affect the compensation that may be awarded if the tribunal claim is then successful. So members should always get their reps involved and reps can come to Thompson's for advice if they need assistance or, or guidance or go to the legal department at the POA if they need assistance with that internal process. But the tribunal will look at what has happened internally. And the other reason why a, a member should get their branch involved and get their rep involved pretty quickly is because of the very strict time limits that are involved in employment tribunal claims. So most tribunal claims, legal action has to be taken within three months lesser day of the act complained of which is actually a really really tight window for an individual to have suffered a detriment or have been dismissed or going through that you know generally but to then also consider well what legal advice what legal action can I take it's quite a lot for them to take on board so what we would say is get advice from your reps ASAP but then for the legal process to get started get that LA100 completed and sent to the legal department and listeners as you'll have heard in previous episodes of the POA podcast when we spoke to the legal services assistant general secretary Mick Pimlet it really is very easy and as Emma has confirmed, to access that LA100 form and to, to fill it in. And it is crucial that the details that you provide there are accurate and, and in a timely fashion uh, as well. So, so Emma, the, how how is the evaluation of the case made? Is that something that happens all on the POA side before it comes to Thompson? Or is it something that Thompson's play, plays a more active role in themselves? Yeah, so once we get the paperwork from the POA, the POA ask us to determine the merits and the way we do that is we contact the member to get further information from them so we've got the completed LA100 on our desk we've got the relevant documents that have been attached to that 
form, such as dismissal letter, investigation meeting notes, things like that. And we would then assess the merits by looking at those documents, but also contacting the member to obtain further information from them. Now, at that point, what we do is look at the relevant legislation, look at the relevant legal position that is applicable to the facts of that case, and we assess whether on balance it has got more prospects of succeeding than, than losing, which is, in a nutshell, the 50% prospects of success test. And it can often be really difficult when we look at a case because we can see that members have, have been really hard done by in some situations. You really want to pursue a claim, but it's, it's really important that that legal analysis and that threshold is considered because that there is really no point in building up a member's expectation by running a case, by the POA agreeing to run a tribunal claim for them with the knowledge that actually the legal test is, is probably not on our side in that case and the chances of, of losing are greater. So it's, it's a threshold that, that has been set and that we apply and we will advise members and, and manage expectations accordingly. If we think a claim has got more than 50% prospects of succeeding, the member is advised of that but also the POA is advised of that. The POA get copied into all of the advices, the merits assessments that we provide, and an agreement is formed that we will then continue to take that case on. With employment matters, as, as with all claims, uh, uh, you know, I imagine that are taken on by, by solicitors, the merits though are continued to be assessed throughout the stage of litigation. Because what happens in a tribunal claim is once you lodge your claim, you then get the formal response from the respondent setting out why they dispute the claim has got merit or why they dispute that the, the dismissal for example was unfair and we need to review the merits again at that stage the respondent may have said something that we were not aware of when we when we carried out the initial merits assessment for example and if at that point the threshold for the case either succeeding or not changes so we no longer think it has got 50 percent prospects the member will be advised again at that point and, and that happens throughout the course of litigation we're constantly assessing the merits of the case and updating the member and advising the union what we think now what, what we can do is if a claim has been started because the merits assessment was more than 50 percent at the outset if that merits assessment does change what we would endeavour to do is try and reach a, a resolution still. So, so we may not just simply say, well, we can't run the claim. What we would try and do to get the best for the member and, and to get some resolution for them is to perhaps try and settle the claim. So we would perhaps enter into negotiations to see if we could settle. But if, if that doesn't work, advice would be to withdraw. But for those claims that we think continue to have 50% merit, then we will run those claims and, and hopefully get the outcome that we want at the end of the, of the day. In terms of timescales, obviously there is the three months less a day deadline for filing an employment tribunal case. How long typically does it tend to take between the case being submitted and the case actually being heard at a tribunal? Quite a long time now, and that's post-COVID. So the tribunals have still got their backlog of cases that they are trying to get on top of from the pandemic when the tribunals closed for a period of time and cases were stayed, put on hold. So the tribunal system is still playing catch up with cases. So for cases that I have submitted, say, six months ago, we're looking at the back end of 2023 for a hearing. So on average, it's about 18 months which is a really, really long time, especially for somebody who is claiming wages, for example. They're struggling financially because they're not being paid correctly or haven't been paid correctly by their employer. But, but in all cases, 18 months is a, is a long time. Now, that's not a set. We, Depending upon the nature of the claim, if it is uh, an unfair dismissal case that is perhaps quite straightforward, 
only needs one day for a tribunal to hear the case and for the evidence to be to be concluded, we may find that the tribunals can slot those claims in sooner than that lengthy period of time that I've given. And the one thing actually that has come out of the pandemic is that a lot of claims are now being done are now being carried out virtually. So pre-pandemic, everybody would have to attend the hearing in person. There is now scope for a tribunal to hear a claim virtually, which means that tribunal judges are not limited to the region that they are sitting in, but there is potential for perhaps a judge in Newcastle to hear a case in London, because if you're doing it virtually, it doesn't actually matter where that judge is, is sitting and hearing the case. But, but we are talking a fairly lengthy period of time. Which makes the support that's offered by both POA and by Thompson's all the more important, all the more important. Indeed. Clearly, the issues you're, that you're dealing with, Emma, you and your colleagues are dealing with, are really weighty, really significant in terms of their impact on, on individuals, but also their impact on the policy of the, the employer. What have been some of the most memorable or important cases involving POA members that, that you've, you've dealt with in the recent past? Yeah, there's been, been a fair few, actually, that I've, I've got sort of got memories of and fond memories of, of, of having had some good successes with POA members. As I mentioned, some of the claims that we run are disability claims. And I've got, I've got a couple of those that have been successful at tribunal where members have been dismissed because of their disability, the disability having had an impact on their ability to work full time for example. So they've asked for reduced hours and they have been dismissed because they were unable to work those hours. And we've run claims of disability discrimination, arguing that uh, the knock-on effect of their disability means they're unable to carry out the hours requested. But adjustments should have been made to accommodate those prison officers in that situation. Now, they're really great cases to have got successes on because what you you hope is that the employer will recognise that actually adjustments can be made. And going forward, you would hope that adjustments would be put in place so that a repetition of those claims are not brought. We've had a few that have settled, so they haven't gone to tribunal and we've got some good results. And um, a couple of those that I remember, again, relating to the working pattern are females who have brought claims for sex discrimination because they haven't been able to adjust their hours to accommodate childcare responsibilities that they have. And we have brought sex discrimination claims and settled those claims. Another one relating to maternity is one that I always remember where that went to the Employment Appeal Tribunal um, and we got a finding from the Employment Appeal Tribunal about the way that employers should look at suitability of work for employees returning from maternity leave. Now, I think these are really quite good cases to have have been successful in for the POA particularly, which is quite a male-dominated area in terms of prison officers, I would would still say. So to have these cases that that female prison officers have been able to pursue and have been successful or have settled has has been really positive. So so that leads me to to, to think that if you're working in the uh, corrective justice sector and you don't have the benefits of POA membership, you know, you really are very exposed indeed uh, and is it possible to, to kind of quantify or summarize the advantage that POA membership and the POA's relationship with Thompson gives to members? Oh I mean I, I can't stress the importance of POA membership enough you know to have union membership to have that legal assistance representation and advice available is, is a huge benefit to being a union member. You have a you have access to advice from Thompson's you know we are committed to the trade union movement we, we see ourselves as the legal arm to the trade union movement you know we only work for workers and those who have been placed at, a, at an injustice and so we want to pursue claims if we can so members have the access to that legal advice now now yes the legal advice may be negative 
but members have still had access to that advice. Whether it's negative advice, at least expectations have been managed and they know what legal remedy is or is not available to them, but also what other alternatives they could do, such as using the union's assistance to perhaps negotiate internally with the employer if the legal assistance can't be given because of the prospects of success. And I think without that union's assistance, both at a local level, so involvement with the grievance, involvement with the disciplinary, which, as I say, actually becomes very key then to when you're pursuing a tribunal claim, because the tribunals will look back at what has happened. But just on a, on a local level to try and resolve matters, nobody actually really wants to go through a legal process if, if, if they don't need to. And so to have the union's legal assistance, if there is a claim, it, it's fabulous. But to also have the union's assistance just at that local level is, is huge. Emma, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. The message is clear. Employment law is crucial in protecting people from unfair treatment at work, from dismissal to discrimination. But the law is only effective if it is enforced. And here, POA members need the legal support provided by their union in partnership with Thompson solicitors to make sure that it is. This is a key part of the union's service to members. And if you're not part of the POA, then you are on your own. So, if you're listening to this and haven't signed up, speak to your local POA rep or head over to poauk.org.uk to find out how to join and all the information you need about the union, its legal services and the rest of the work it does in supporting members. Thank you to Emma for joining us on this episode. Thank you for listening. We hope you like what you've heard and will join us for the next episode of the POA podcast. Thanks and goodbye. <laughs>